Hello, and welcome to Working Title, a podcast where two writer friends stumble through books we love looking for writing secrets. I'm Leah, and this week I've actually been doing a lot of other creative things, but not writing directly. So I did some video editing. I unearthed some pictures from three years ago and finally edited and posted those. Amazing! So it's kind of just a lot of, it was like a little mixture of things, but not, not so much writing this week. Yeah, I feel like that's, at least for me, that's often an important part of the process. Like sometimes when I'm like struggling to write, I discover it's because I need to step back and do something else that's creative for a while. And then like all the juices start flowing. Uh, I'm Dana. And this week, I actually have done quite a bit of writing, uh, which has been really nice. It's been sort of all over the place. A lot of uh, the writing I did kind of earlier in the week was in response to emotional spikes where it was like, boy, I just need to get words on paper because that's how I process things. Yeah. Um, and they weren't really, you know, building towards any particular project or anything. It was just kind of that, like, got to get this out of me and onto a page. Um, but was able to sort of start morphing into like thinking a little bit more abstractly and creatively about things. And then I did, in fact, do like a big uh, writing day. We're currently recording this over a long weekend. And so I just dedicated all of yesterday to like, cool, we're going to treat this like it's still a work day, but my job is writing, (laughs) which mostly worked. I like ran out of steam at like two in the afternoon and was like, that's okay. I'm going to go read a beautiful book because that is also part of similarly, like engaging with stories and engaging with creative things outside of the trying to get words on a page is always hugely beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like is is something that I always think about, too, in terms of um, like it's it's I think it's really important to have creative things that you do that aren't like aren't things that you want to be the best at or that you don't want one day to turn into any kind of a career where you can just be like yeah I I color because it's fun Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to create visual art that will be sold or in like it's important to have something that can just be creative for kicks and not creative because like this is my work this is something I'm really dedicated to just so that you can Go back and forth between, hey, this this project, this creative work really matters to me and is something that I'm really dedicated to and maybe I bring a little bit more pressure to, understandably. And then this is creative stuff where I can just be like, you know what? Blue's a nice color. I like it. I like the color blue. And that is fine. <laughs> yeah, I think you're so right. You absolutely need both because... Um... I think that's sometimes also why I have weeks where I'm not writing. I think sometimes the pressure of it gets to be too much and I need some space away from it to reframe how I'm thinking about it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So it's both are needed. And I love that I was actually thinking about tomorrow on this long weekend, making that my writing working day and just diving in and seeing where it goes and what happens and it's actually kind of perfect that I read this book so 
close to this writing day because I think that this book has a lot of elements that I try to include in my own writing and also just things I love. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good, good ideas floating around in this book. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, so maybe that's a good a good way to transition into <laughs> to talking about the book. Uh, this week we're discussing the inheritance of Arcadia Divina by Zoraida Cordova, and it is a short book, pretty short, magical realism, a lot about the magic of family and the cost of generational silence, as the author has said. And here's a here's a quick synopsis for those of you who haven't heard of it. The Montoyas are used to a life without explanations. They know better than to ask why the pantry never seems to run low or empty, or why their matriarch won't ever leave their home in Four Rivers, even for graduations, weddings, or baptisms. But when Arcadia Davina invites them to her funeral and to collect their inheritance, they hope to learn the secrets that she has held on to so tightly their whole lives. Instead, Arcadia is transformed leaving them with more questions than answers. Seven years later, her gifts... Hold on a second. This is the full... This is the full... <laughs> the inside book thing? No, this was on online that I copied. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. Clearly, I didn't read the whole thing when I copied it. It just cuts off. Um, oh, it just says read? seven years later. <laughs> yeah, it, and it says her, which doesn't make sense either. Oh. Um, hold on. Why does this always happen? I was so well, proud of I think, myself. No, you're good. I think in the, because in the inside cover, it's like seven years later, her gifts have manifested. Maybe that's, okay. This was like, it. it's, this was, I think it was just maybe a mistake in the website. Um, yeah. Because I'm looking at the other one and it's also seven years later, but the this one, the sentence goes on to talk about Marimar without but, like, in a different way. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it's not important. It's clearly a typo. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, seven years later, her gifts have manifested in different ways for Marimar, Ray, and Tatanelli's daughter, Rhiannon, granting them unexpected blessings. But soon, a hidden figure begins to tear through their family tree, picking them off one by one as it seeks to destroy Arcadia's line. Determined to save what's left of her family and uncover the truth behind their inheritance, the four descendants travel to Ecuador, to the place where Arcadia buried her secrets and broken promises and never looked back. We love it. We love a good summary. Well done. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I stole it from online. The best place. Um, yes. Sometimes they just do a, a better job of it. Um, but also, it, reading this, it's kind of interesting to see the you have these last two sentences focused on Ecuador, but that for the descendants doesn't really show up until like beyond the last third, like maybe the last fifth of the book. Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting portion. yeah, and and it's also not where the final confrontation really takes place, right? Which yeah. is an interesting thing. Like that does make it sound like in the end we have to go back to the our roots, which is sort of where it goes. And they do go to Ecuador to follow the roots, and then they go back to Four Rivers. <laughs> right. And it's also, it's also, it's not where Arcadia buried her secrets, though, either. Um, yeah. It's an interesting metaphor to use. Uh, yeah, I feel like the copy does, I don't think the copy exactly aligns 
with the book. It mostly does. It's not it's not like one of those the summaries where you're like, where was any of this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's different enough that I'm like, hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Interesting place. Anyway, this was this was a pick that kind of arose from us uh looking at our TBRs and kind of mutually coming to agreement. <laughs> Uh, I'm really curious what what about this book were you drawn to and did it deliver on what it promised? Yeah, so I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. At least I certainly hope it will be because I saw you were already tweeting that you loved this book and that it super, super worked for you. And I feel like I wanted to love this book so much because I, I absolutely feel like it's playing with so many things that I'm so interested in, right? Dealing with complicated family dynamics, dealing with the idea of magic as a legacy and as a legacy that is for a specific family rather than like, you know, there's there's when magic can be inherited by blood in lots of ways, but I feel like often the focus of that in other stories is like kind of weird. It's, it's, much more interesting to me to think about magic as part of the things that you pass down through family and what that connotation is. And uh, a lot of these just sort of different ideas and concepts of roots, all the plant imagery was great. Like getting into, uh, I feel like any, like the multi-generational story also, any book that opens where they're like, here's a complicated family tree, I'm so jazzed about (laughs) Like, I just am so excited. Um, but I, it didn't work for me, really. I didn't dislike it. I I had a fine time reading this book, but I felt like the things that I wanted didn't, for the most part, didn't really feel like they landed where I wanted them to, where I could see the shapes. It felt like reading something that was like, this feels like a sketch of the thing that I want, but... I, it's not quite there for me such that like I had a good time. I, I, I think it was a good book. It certainly is one that I've been thinking about since, but it also very much kind of left me wanting in a way that it sounds like it really delivered for you. It just didn't fully do that for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't entirely disagree with you either. Like I do think that I wanted it to, It's a, like I said, it's a short book. I think it could have been mm-hmm. longer. I think we could have gone deeper into the characters and some of the time. That That's like, I would have loved it. But I loved it as it was because it had enough elements that, it look, going back to original stars as people, come on, like. We love stars as <laughs> Star- people. It's then- a good thing. <laughs> Right. And again, the complicated family dynamics, magic as metaphor, the elements were enough for me. Mm -hmm. I think that the book is incredibly ambitious. And then you add the very short, uh, you know, page count, the small page count. I, I don't, 300 pages is such a it's so funny to me that like I feel you that feels short now but when I look at it I'm like where's my brain what has happened that I'm like 300 pages yeah you know (laughs) yeah I mean some of it depends on like some 300 pages the text is super dense but 
Yeah, it, it's, it was more expansive. It tried to do more things than one of the comp titles on the book was uh, The Night Circus. Mm-hmm. And The Night Circus is more focused in terms of it. the scope is smaller in a lot of ways than, you know, you don't have as many main characters per se. You have you have this kind of side characters that you expect them to be that. And it's really focused on the this, like, two lineage of magics and... That's it, but you don't you don't have like moving countries and different family dynamic. You know, it's yeah. Well, it's- I think that yeah, I think that that was that was one of the things that I kind of that sort of struck me first was that I had trouble figuring out what kind of prose style yeah. was the goal here because there were points where it would kind of start veering into what I think of as more of like night circus or a lot of those more like fairy tale feelings where in those cases your characterization is usually like a sentence right you have one beautiful sort of mysterious sentence that describes a character and you know that that's kind of all you're going to get, but it's enough, right? That there's just some little quirk about them and you're like, great, I know who that character is enough now to just ride with it. And then there's the sort of other way that you can do character development and prose where it's like, we're getting really deep into, you know, lyrical long descriptions and showing uh, dialogue and all of these things. And I felt like it kept vacillating between those two. Mm-hmm. In a way that, even in the parts that weren't necessarily talking about characters, but that were just describing the world or the magic, I was left a little confused. Mm. There were points where it was like, ah, yes, you know, it's salt and laurel leaves. And it's like, cool, I love it when we just get little tastes of the magic, but we don't really know how it works. But then the next scene would start describing kind of in detail about how something worked. And then we were back to like, nothing really. And it, I think for me, the most that that came out was that all of the characterization for me, for the most part, felt very lacking. Yeah. Because we didn't really get, you're absolutely right, there is this huge cast of characters, but instead of giving like just a brief little things to hold on to for those characters or devoting the time to develop and tease out those relationships, we got a combination of that for them. And a lot of it just didn't really work for me in terms of I still don't really feel like I know who most of the characters are. I I had trouble really connecting with anyone. I feel like Tatanelli was one of the clearest drawn for me, despite the fact that she doesn't actually get that much description because she kind of landed a little bit more in that we get a couple of sort of brief, beautiful outlines of who she is as far as this you know, sort of peaceful, very domestic focus and this kind of being, she seemed the most comfortable with herself, which felt very different from a lot of the other characters. Mm. But, you know, we spent a lot of time on Ray's painting career. I, every time he spoke, I was confused. It didn't, I didn't understand who he was. Uh, We spent a lot of time sort of seeing Marimar's struggle. Yeah. And that was really interesting and compelling, but I couldn't tell you who she was at the beginning and who she was at the end. Like, it didn't feel, I know that her journey was clearly, you know, we sort of named the journey, but I didn't see it because I didn't have a clear sense of who any of these characters really were. Yeah, I feel like there are 
okay, there are a couple of things that I want to There's a lot of things. I just gave you a whole little rant. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. I mean, the first is this kind of shifting in writing style. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I think this is another really ambitious thing to do is to, because you're you're kind of, in a way, she's like mixing genre and genre expectation. Um, And uh, she actually said that she, she is accustomed to being a quote unquote genre writer and not as much a character focused writer, which you might expect more in a very kind of literary magical realism or contemporary fantasy or fabulous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you could see some of that coming together in this book, which mm-hmm. mostly worked for me. Cause I was just like, Oh, what a cool, like how cool I, I haven't seen something that does this so much. Like that kind of melds these two together, these two writing styles. Because I think that in in actual life, if like magical realism, if there was or if there was some sort of contemporary magic, light dusting of magic, you would have that kind of clash, if that yes. makes sense. So it, it did work for me for the most part. But on the characters, what I found interesting was Mar- Marima, the main character, the one that you spend the most time with besides Orcadia Divina was the one that left me most confused at times. Mm-hmm. And not not just because of the journey that you're talking about, but the part of part of her real arc is meant to be like kind of accepting her own magic, believing in that, fighting for that, finding her place that is both in and and out if that makes sense of a group. In, in some ways like there's the immigrant experience where it's like, where is home? What does home mean? You're different than your, your, the previous generation of your family that had maybe more, more time in a different country or the first gen that was raised differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's that element of it and the kind of generational silence and questioning. And like, I got that. I feel like that was a thread throughout the story, but then you would have like, so she's in New York. She doesn't feel she belongs there. There's this kind of illusion that she's most like her grandmother and her mother because she has similar similar physical appearance, but then also maybe some of her behavior. But that she's also cut off her grandmother, but then she's the one driving going back. But it's not like, to me, it's not always like I get it, you know, being estranged and then that person dies, that can change your perspective. Mm-hmm. But then she goes back and her grandmother's like, you're the one who's always the most loving, the most caring and I'm giving you this house. And it's like, I didn't get that. Where did that like that was just that was a time where me being told that didn't work for me because what I had been told about the character previously, it didn't a lot. So it was like an adjustment. Yeah. There. Yeah, absolutely. The the kind of her being the familial glue, but then also her finding herself. I feel like it was a lot in that one character, and because and also because it was so short, it just didn't it didn't quite coalesce. Yeah, I think that I th- I absolutely agree with that. It was something that I kept struggling to pin down a lot of who these characters were, mm-hmm. and I think Marimar is a very clear example of that. And also how they connected to each other, which is rough when you want to tell a story about families and family relationships. And I think that is maybe one of the places where that combination of, you know, we're going to call in another uh, writing advice classic. I feel like 
showing and telling are both useful tools, right? Anybody yeah. who's always like, show, don't tell, it's like, no, sometimes telling is more compelling. And that's kind of what I feel like we're both getting at with that, like, the the typical style for like the fairy tale magical realism where it's like you don't show a character growing and developing and show them interacting with people so much as you you give a couple of like mm -hmm. you know descriptions for it and it was tough because this felt like it was trying to do both and at least for me ended up doing neither i don't understand we see so much of orchidea divina growing up we don't see any of her with her family it felt like the flashbacks that when we got so many flashbacks, but they felt like they were all the wrong flashbacks for me in some ways in terms of not only did I not have a sense of who these characters were, I didn't feel the generational silence that was being discussed. I We saw a lot of, you know, we had a lot of these characters sort of discussing their grandmother, but they didn't really a lot of times it was it was you're right like very sort of frenetic which understandable our emotions can be complicated about people but it felt like a lot of people saying my emotions are complicated and not a lot of like well sure you know but it it is it is it from anna karenina that's the every happy family is the same but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way yeah i think so might think might so. be from somewhere else i might be mixing <laughs> that up but great line and something where I was like, I don't really see how this works. I feel like the character I best understood their relationship to Arcadia was the sheriff. Like, they, they have a great little bit where, like, the sheriff was sent to this magic house and was like, uh, and they have this weird moment where it's like, you know what? We're just gonna, we're gonna be chill. We're gonna be chill. I'm gonna make sure no one bothers you. You're gonna give me some potions for my hair loss and everything's gonna be, and that was nothing. The sheriff is a non-existent character. He really just shows up for those two scenes. But I had a sense of what their relationship was. I don't understand how Arcadia was as a grandmother or as a mother or how any of these kids felt with her, about her. Really, we just sort of jump into, well, it's complicated. And it's like, totally. I totally agree. But that's a boring statement. Somebody saying it's complicated is it like it was something I really struggled to connect with in terms of was she withholding? Was it that she didn't tell you things? Was it that you were always asking her questions and being punt? Like, what did it look like? What or what was the what was the complicated part about it? What were the beautiful things? We got sort of description of the magic abstractly, but didn't really see how it affected. Like, we didn't get those flashbacks. And we didn't really get to see them interacting with Arcadia. Like, we barely interact with Arcadia. We see so much of Arcadia's history growing up, but almost none of her interacting with her family. And almost none of, like, when the family is talking to each other, it didn't feel like there were, like, these, like, long histories of things. At least to me. Like, it, it felt sort of unmoored from its premise and I agree I think that was a huge part of then was Marimar always the one holding people together mm -hmm. was she the one who most connected with her grandmother or was she always the most separate it yeah. felt like every single one of our main characters was like I always felt like the normal one in the magic house and I was like well then who were the magic ones what are we talking about here 
Like I, it doesn't, it was very hard to like actually get a clear vision or even an interesting clouded vision of what this was like. Cause I feel like we all tell ourselves stories about our family and how mm-hmm. we grew up. And those mm-hmm. stories don't have to be clear or simple or easy and they definitely don't match. But I didn't feel like I got anybody's story. It was just sort of everybody talking around it, but very focused on the present and very disconnected from like however they'd grown up. And it yeah. didn't it was hard to like I think it's hard to build characters on that and build a story about family when like the relationships are so ephemeral right i mean i do think i think we got some of the the feeling of what it was like because there particularly with marimar she has memories of asking her grandmother things and her grandmother either kind of making a joke or changing it there's some discussions but it's it isn't a big part of the story, and really the only person that you see kind of get explosive and angry about the silence is Enrique. Everyone else is just like that's just how it is, and they kind of have mm-hmm. a discussion about it. But maybe it's because I this this does to me feel like how a lot of my family handles. Like there are still things that I don't know about my grandparents, and I will never know because they're dead. Totally. And the siblings, like, they don't talk about it. Like, I, that sparseness felt more real to me. But I can also see where you're, where you're coming from. Like, and I think it goes back to, again, like, my biggest problem is I think there just needed to be more. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, well, and that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is, like, I totally believe it as, like, that's a thing. But it felt like this story was relying on me to define what that looked like as opposed to telling me a story about it. And where, again, it, it felt more like somebody saying there is a culture of silence here. And I agree, we had we had some flashbacks from Marimara, but it felt like most of them were about an extraordinary moment. Mm-hmm. Most of them were about my mother has died. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, it turns out that that was like a magically induced thing. Uh, but also it doesn't seem like Orchidia even actually knew what happened because she didn't know what the deal was with the star i don't know there's also a lot of a lot lot of plot things that i'm like i don't really get how any of this happened but i i have the least issue with those kinds of things in stories like this where i'm like plot holes or whatever but that felt like yeah of course you have horrible memories of something being denied from you that also can easily just be read as your mother died and yeah. you were a kid yeah. having a trauma response. That that didn't feel like it showed me how things usually were. Right. And I think yeah. it led to that, like, that's the only thing we see of Marima really in her flashbacks is her being like, grandmother, I'm blaming you for my mother's death. And mm-hmm. we're like, oh, I mean, again, trauma and grief makes sense to have this extreme reaction. But what were they like before then? Did they get along before then? Did they have this same culture of silence around it before then? Like, it felt like that. I didn't feel it, I guess, as much as, like, and and I wanted to because I think that that is a really interesting and powerful story. And, like, it it's true in a lot of families. Yeah, I think, okay. I think some of it is also, I mean, you do, you find out why Orcadia was silent. You're told that it's, you find out when she makes the deal with the star that that's kind mm-hmm. of part of it. And you, like, 
you do know, you find the picture, you kind of put the pieces together that the star, well, the star also literally says, like, I'm your father, but uh, you're you're able to put together the clues beforehand, and I think there's reason to believe that Arcadia knew. Um, I do think that maybe in some ways the story was held back by making that star connection a bigger reveal and in the reveal the way that it was revealed because you don't really I think it could have been interesting to get to know the mother as well and that's not really part of it you don't see how the how the generation passes down what the silence looked like for everyone Mm-hmm. Like, I almost think the mother could have been another perspective character, and that would have been really interesting. Would have been fascinating. Yeah, and then I think also on top of that, I actually don't think it needed to be this big mystery secret about who the who the father was as much. Like, I think it could have been interesting even if Marima had clues to start early on. Absolutely. And you know what's, what else is interesting? I was reading about her writing process, and she said that when she first drafted it, it was only, like, 35,000 words. Mm-hmm. And some of these extra characters didn't exist, and it was just Marimad. And so, just kind of adding the extra characters. And even then, I still feel like it could have been. It was still pretty slim. But it's still, that's the thing. It still worked for me. It had enough of the elements that I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, and I think that that's, I think that's always, I mean, I think it's part of what's, so interesting about all of these things right is that like we can trying to figure out what works is is the ultimate goal and once again like different things are gonna be enough for folks and other things are not going to i absolutely think i think that what you were saying about like yeah having the like parent reveal be a big thing i think i think was the source of a lot of issues because the other thing that i think I struggled with a lot in this book was the pacing. Yep. Um, And I'm not even sure if pacing is exactly the right word for it, but at least like the pacing in terms of, you know, we, for most of the story, we have these two timelines going on, right? We're seeing Orchidia's childhood. So we're like slowly unraveling the secrets of who she is and why and how she came to be in Four Rivers. And we also have the timeline of her grandchildren and great-grandchild trying to find out the exact same things that we are reading about. But often the way that it... it, it, it I was always annoyed <laughs> to go back to the present time because mm. it was like going back to people who were just like, why don't we know this thing? And I'm like, I learned about that like four chapters ago, actually. <laughs> like, we already... And it, and it it could have been – dramatic irony needs irony, right? Like, it's cool when you as the reader know things that the characters don't when it changes your perspective on what they're doing, right? Mm. It's powerful when you know the truth and you see a character who is behaving under some misconception about the truth or they do something that is particularly poignant but they can't see it because they don't know the truth. Right. As opposed to it's just – a struggle to watch these folks be like, we just don't know what's going on. We're just, we're being stalked. It's probably nothing. And it's like, what do you mean? What do you, what's, it's clearly, this is clearly these other things going on and, and, and it, it all makes sense. But just the timing of how that all worked out often meant that I was just frustrated to go back to the main 
story. Cause I'm like, these guys are so far behind. Let me get, I want to, I would like to keep hearing the story and I'm not going to learn anything from these chapters. These aren't going to tell me anything new. And it felt like that was frequently the case. Even a lot of the cool magic stuff that happened in the like modern day timeline felt like it didn't really pan out, right? Like they all were given seeds. They coughed up seeds and the grandma's like plant the seeds and like what what happened with the seeds? Was it important? Was it not? Why did they have to be? Was it the seeds they needed to protect? Was it their lives? Did they need to plant the seeds near them? We like mentioned that three of the characters plant the seeds and other than that, it's sort of just not addressed. Um, yeah. There's, you know, even the whole, the there's so much of that stuff that just sort of doesn't really get explored and instead we spend, so I, I think a lot, and I think a lot of that was because it was like, well, we've got to wait to reveal who the star is. Like for a while, we think that like it, we're supposed to think as Marimar does that perhaps her father was also uh, like Orkidia's first husband in some like weird, gross way because they're wearing the same ring or something. And it's like, well, no, I don't think that's what's happening. I don't I don't think that's what's happening, but like but we can't know yet cuz it has to be a big reveal that actually the star was a good guy and in fact it was her dad and also he loved her mom and you're like, "Boy, that's a lot for like the last chapter." Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I again, I think I would have been interested in like how does the mom meet the star? How does the star why does the star get recaptured yeah. and how and like how does that affect the familial relationships? And then yeah, the magical metaphors because they cough up the seed, but then they also have a flower growing out of them. And you have mm -hmm. this whole, like, Marimaz doesn't bloom. And so that's really interesting, but I feel like isn't fully developed. And what yeah. else is, like, doesn't quite work for me. And again, I think it goes back to this living star reveal is she's always like, well, I never feel like I fit in anywhere. And I think, okay, so then you have the kind of... The, the narrative about not fitting in because you don't have all the information about who you are and also because you are part of a family that has immigrated elsewhere and all of the family reacts differently and you miss your mother like all this information is missing okay fair enough but then it's like oh but also it's because your magic is just different than the rest of the families because you but have also the, the magic star. is coming from the same star all of it right, right. coming so from it, the same so guy. So it, it just doesn't, like, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, part, yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like having her magic, like, really change didn't, it didn't quite work for me. Like, yeah, I get everyone's totally. magic is unique and you can reclaim your own power Absolutely. and be an individual and a family. But that wasn't the theme, that wasn't the overall theme of the story. So it didn't, it was surprising to me. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. And I think that 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 felt it felt like a theme that I was like, oh, clearly, I guess we're doing this now. But this was not what I thought we were doing at all for most of the book. And it's not it's an interesting story, but it's not the story you got me interested in. Yeah. And so I'm confused about spending time on this when I feel like we're we're we could be telling the other story. And I feel like I'm still hungry for that other story. Yeah, I think there was a lot of, a lot of it for me was like, yeah, it felt like the tone, the the things that I wanted were just not the things that we did, right? And I feel like we missed a lot of the pieces that could have been interesting. I absolutely agree not getting to see uh, Orchidia's 
first two daughters uh, who have passed away at this point and one of whom married the star. Like, you want to talk about a, a situation of silence, right? You're, you are, uh, which was it? Pina was the sister who married the star? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're Pina. Yeah. You meet a handsome, glowing man, and you're like, he, I'm in love with him. I'm going to marry him. Your mom, ref- you're like, Mom, I met a glowing man. She's like, do not talk to the glowing man. It's a bad idea. Also, I literally cannot perceive him because um, of, and like, but like, we can't tell you why. And you're like, cool, I'm going to marry him anyway and live with him and have this kid who is raised still in the house where Arcadia lives. Where the star can't go. Where the star can't go. Yeah. And they're married and they have a kid together. Um, and then he disappears and then she dies. I, what? I want to know what the heck Pina thought was going on in any of that, right? Well, also, like, that Pina, feels... Pina visits him underneath the lake. Like, she, she opens a door at the bottom of the lake and that's how she goes and visits him. Okay. Back and forth. Which is okay. like, which is not, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's this element of like, uh, there's also a thread of like, you follow Ray and Marima as they're coming back home, and they're very like, magic isn't real, but it is, but it isn't, but it is. But you're like, yep. if you grew up in a weird magical place where there, nothing else about the world was like that, I could see how you would be like, what's that, how much of that was me being a kid, you know? Totally. Which I thought was really realistic, but then it, I don't know, they're just aspects of it that I thought would then be more pivotal I mean I did I will say that I did really like this whole like the grandmother dies there are still a lot of questions but now they have this magic and they go back and they kind of dedicate themselves to new things like with Ray and I think there are brothers who are musicians and there's the and that sort of thing like embracing different parts of you I thought that was really strong but then I I I don't know. This is another part where I want, I just want more. And I'm not even sure what the more looks like. Cause it's more is not necessarily just more pages. Like that could have also yeah. made it worse. I don't Yes, yeah. This is a really hard book to write. I can, I can feel it through the pages. Absolutely. But, um, Absolutely. There's yeah. so much being attempted. <laughs> yeah. So, but for me, like just a few sentences where it's like, well, maybe it did work. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell in this moment. But it's, it's just like, well, I really love your painting and you should go become a painter. And he does, he just does it. And I, like, I totally get the whole, like, if you're grieving seriously, that can be like a, a moment where yeah. things shift. But then you have this kind of weird, estranged relationship that you add on to it that I feel like didn't quite connect with that biggest shift. Well, and and the other piece of it being that, like, Raimundo goes and and engages in his painting career and is miserable. And it's described that the life is being drained out of him. And I'm like, okay, so is it good or bad? Like, what is the, what are we actually saying about the magic, about these people and their passions and the things that they're going to do? It felt very disconnected in that way for me, where it's like, yeah, and I I agree. There were pieces where I was like, that can be really interesting. And maybe we have a moment to see, like, how do people's lives change from this? But for me, it, it felt it felt less like there was even an intention for things to change and more like seven years would be a good time before things get bad again. So they've got to go do something for seven years because it I 
I don't know how they, I don't know what they learned in that time. I don't know what I was supposed to learn from those chapters about them as characters or about the world. I, I know Raimundo went and, and finally was doing the things he was passionate about and it sucked. And Marimar stayed. It didn't 100% suck. But, there yeah. was a lot of like everyone's trying to steal pieces of me. I don't know. That sounds pretty grim. Like I'm glad yeah. he liked doing the painting. But yeah, yeah. It was very. I it felt very distinct to me that like there was a real critique there of, uh, of like just sort of the world that can be around art or magic or people just like yeah, 100%. like which I thought was really well defined. And I was like, this is really interesting. I don't know how any of this fits into the rest of the book. I right. like this piece a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I don't get it. And then as soon as Raimundo went back, it felt like that was gone. Right. I, I yeah. don't know where that narrative went. I don't know how it connects to the rest. Like, maybe that's just a thread that I, it just, I didn't see that, right? Mm. Um, yeah. And it did yeah, feel. I think, oh, sorry. I think especially mm. because he isn't the one, like, Marimar is the one who carries the curse is what it feels like. He isn't, yeah. but there, there is that kind of curse element to, like. Yeah. Because of how the world interacts with him, which is what the curse is for a lot of them, is how the world is yeah. bearing upon them. But go on. No, I think it felt, I was also thinking a lot when I started this, um, I'm going to once again try to quote an author who I'm mm, not sure I remember exactly who. Uh, it's I think been a it's, week here. Right. <laughs> I think it's a Kurt Vonnegut quote that's like, start your story as close to the end as possible. And this is this is an interesting kind of genre to even like to try to figure out if that advice makes sense and if so how because when you're telling a multi-generational story like you do want to address the multi-generations and not like start right before the end but the whole long lead up to getting back to the house that's a lot of chapters yeah. of just a couple characters it and then and then we have this you know everyone's back at the house we still don't really see all of our characters and then there's 7 years again of separation and and we have this long workup where we see so much of Orkidia's life, but we don't actually see, like, we see her up until she makes this singular decision. But I feel like I don't even, like, that felt like that story was supposed to explain to us why Orkidia is the way she is. First of all, it never really felt clear to me from the characters what is the way Orkidia is now, right? Like, that was as far as, like, what were those relationships? How, what was it like to live with this woman? I didn't really feel like I got a sense of. But, you know, it definitely didn't feel like the person we were seeing growing up, right? Which I think is the intention. You like see someone growing up and you're supposed to follow their journey. But it felt like where we ended, where she sort of inexplicably, after being set up as this like very giving, loving character, inexplicably decides to like, steal power as a way to take revenge on a world that has treated her abominably. Uh, despite it felt like not really setting up like a desire for power or that feeling of, I don't know, that decision didn't make a lot of sense to me as far as like the big pivotal moment. But it also definitely didn't feel like it set up uh, the matriarch who would be complicated and like keep secrets close. And it felt like there's all that journey where she went to Four Rivers, where she thought she was being chased, where she m met all these different husbands and where then she, you know, grew up and like had this whole family. 
felt like we just like didn't get we started so far back in some places and in some ways and then mm. skipped a bunch of stuff that I actually wanted to see. And it, it, it was just an interesting thing because I think it's there was a lot of stuff where I was like, I'm not sure why we're doing this, especially because, you're yeah, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, this wasn't an epic sized novel, but we got a lot of words on things that I was like, I don't. I don't know that we need this many chapters of them driving to Four Rivers, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, because it didn't, yeah, definitely didn't. It, there were fun chapters, but if, yeah. if the book is that short, it didn't add enough for it to be. Absolutely. Yeah, and thinking about Orcadia's decision, I mean, she doesn't, she has a deal to take some power in exchange for freedom. She just takes more than she agreed mm-hmm. and leaves leaves the star week and it felt like there was some I, I don't know the star and Arcadia's dynamic is really interesting and I think it's another area where again I feel like there are seeds of something there that could have been a really absolutely interesting absolutely like, like like what is I love the stories that are like here is this super magical being that has the power to make wishes come true whether that be a star or a djinn or whatever and then here's this other character that's like, what if we just, like, shot the shit for a while? And then they get to know each other. And mm-hmm. so that that dynamic was really interesting. And I, I, I don't know. I'm of two minds on the ending, like, in the, the tragedy of it and her running and why she chose to run. Because it it felt, I don't know, like, why was that, why was the sleazy cheating husbands the final straw and why did it lead to you like in your own anger kind of taking that out a bit more on the star like was it that you were just angry about your fate and was it that yeah you couldn't control yourself in the moment like a bit of both but it felt I don't know it felt like to me like I wanted there to be more there and maybe more of a complex relationship for the types of things that she decided to say and do yeah absolutely more like the whole like and we're not going to be able to see each other like if you think if you spend some time thinking about it from like a safety perspective like if something happens to you like it felt like she was maybe a little bit afraid that she she her dear husband and sarcastic uh would you know be alive and come after her like it felt like she she had given that some thought but that wasn't like there wasn't enough build up there for that to yeah, it felt yeah. Like there, were, there were things that the author knew that just weren't on the page that you could kind of get at. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think this is worth saying, too, just because a lot of a lot of the stuff that I want to talk about are the critiques and the things that didn't work for me. But all of this, this wasn't a bad book, and that's mm-hmm. why it is fun to talk about, Is and that's why there, these critiques are things that matter to me, is because I absolutely agree with you. There were all the seeds that I wanted were there. All of the outlines that I wanted were there. And then the things, it stuck out to me, therefore, more when I was like, this wasn't fleshed out the way that I wanted it to or the way that made sense for me. But, like, it's all incredible, incredible stuff on the page. And I think that absolutely bears repeating and absolutely, like, a deeply ambitious book. But I think, yeah, there was a lot of, like, there were a lot of really interesting themes. And I think you're right, too. At the same time as I'm like, there was a lot of stuff I didn't need it wasn't that I read those parts and was like, 
I don't like this writing. I don't think this is an interesting scene. They were all really interesting scenes, but I think a lot of those connecting threads didn't land for me, right? Because, like, we've barely talked about Orchidia's relationship uh, with Bolivar, um, which I'm going to check this family tree again to make sure. It's or been... her family back home, side note, that's another thing I want to discuss. Yep, yeah, def- we haven't talked about that at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's this, there's a lot of time spent on this relationship between her and Bolivar, which again was like, I thought one of the most compelling, best drawn, absolutely the best drawn relationship in this book. I understood the kind of connection that they had and the way that they didn't have it and the way that that was painful. Like there was a lot of time spent and I think it absolutely paid off, but you're right. How did that relationship connect to the relationship with the star? Why were those things? Because clearly they were connected in some way in the way that Orchidia was perceiving both of these relationships such that this like final straw with her husband and with her mother, because I think that's a lot of too, is like her husband has been cheating on her and being despicable, but a lot of this also has to do with her mother has come and now also seen that that is happening to her. How does that translate in Arcadia's mind to it is not enough to have a sliver of power freely given. I must take more. Yeah. Because there was a lot of conversation about like, oh, she talked to the star a lot. Why did she want magic power? Like what what did she want to do with it? Did she feel like it it would have just taken a little bit to be like she blames her fate on uh, she blames the the situation with with Bolivar and this humiliation on her fate, and with power she can change her fate. And her fate is so bad she needs lots of power for that. But the that connection again, like I can conceptualize it, mm-hmm. but it felt disconnected in the moment because we hadn't really seen Orchidia spending that much time thinking about what she wanted to do with power. Like, there wasn't really a lot of time spent on what her plan was next. What was she dreaming of? Why did she want a sliver of power? Why in that moment did she think, you know what, I want more? I th- It's not a hard line to draw. And again, like, I think that's one of the reasons that this book probably, like, can be so variable in terms of the way it, ways that it hits you. Yeah. Is that there's, it's all the right stuff there, but it's a little... It's a little like someone handed you like one of those, uh, you're at a fancy restaurant. They're like, this is a deconstructed something. Yeah. But they didn't tell you necessarily what it was. And maybe you look at all the ingredients. You're like, okay, I see this goes here and this goes here. And I figured it out. And someone else is like, I don't understand. (laughs) And I feel like there was a lot of me being like, I just kind of wanted you to make me the, the, the s'mores or whatever it's supposed to be. And not just like, I mean, s'mores is bad because you do assemble your own s'mores. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. You know just give me the dish um, you know those coloring books where you also have to connect the dots to make the picture yes i absolutely know (laughs) to me it feels a bit like that and yes and some of it is also it depends on how you draw the line and i think it goes back to something that's been said on this podcast before and just generally that like for each book there are actually hundreds of books the book for the reader absolutely right and so i think in this case like it's interesting to 
like, I feel like the way that I'm speaking about in this podcast, people will be like, oh, it sounds like you actually did. No, I loved this book. I no, you did. You were tweeting fave, top fave book of the year, right? Was yes, what one, you were of, one of my yeah. top reads of the year, 100%. I really loved it. It had all the, like, I didn't mind, you know, squinting a little bit to draw some of totally. those lines. I totally saw what she was going for. But that doesn't mean that I don't notice that I had to draw the lines. And this is yeah. also the curse of being a reader and a writer. Or a reader as well. You don't have to be a writer. But, you know, this is, like, the way I'm speaking about it now, like, I can acknowledge yeah. those things while still being like, yeah, but it still works. It's still, yeah, exactly. Like, it's it really comes down to what your desires and expectations were from that. Like, yep. absolutely. And there's, I mean... That always very much reminds me of like as a kid, uh, as as a kid growing up with a younger brother. I of course uh, was very dismissive of a lot of like the cartoons that he liked. Um, but if they were ever on when I was around and they had like a vaguely emotional scene, I was crying. I was crying, and not because the writing on whatever goofy show was actually good, right, or that the story was compelling to me even, but. A lot of times, like, if I watch just enough of a story, I'm actually right. It was like, okay, but I've connected the other dots and I found a reason for me to get emotionally invested, even though I don't like this show. And I don't think it's very good at age nine or whatever age I was being, you know, a snooty older older sibling. But, like, that, I, that's something I think that we all always bring, and you're right. And it's something that as a writer you have to know is that and and readers want to be able to connect those dots and make connections and feel it, right? That's why, like, things that are really subtly drawn can be really beautiful and there's nothing more satisfying as a reader than when you're like, these two things connect and then the writer goes, yes, yes, you're correct. And you're like, yes, I'm very smart. Thank you. <laughs> it's an awesome feeling and it's something that all readers do anyway. But there, there, and there will always be a difference as far as how different readers experience in terms of which connections they make and don't, and yeah. also which connections they wanted to make for themselves and which ones they wanted you to make. Yeah. And like that's that's always the thing that you're going to be wrestling with. And I think a lot of times, yeah, as voracious readers, a lot of that just we can you can be very aware of it as you're doing it and be like that doesn't change the experience of it you can be like yeah no i know i did a lot of the work here and it was awesome right Great. yeah thank you <laughs> yeah and some of it's also like not even i did a lot of the work but this really aligns with some of my like the family yeah. dynamics in this book i was like i feel yeah like i got it i did i I do I think it could be a really interesting story and it could have strengthened a story if there was more depth and more experience like we were talking about or maybe changing mm -hmm. the story a little bit and adding like a, a full generation of women. It would be a different story, but would it be interesting? Oh, hell yeah. But that doesn't mean that yeah. I didn't didn't vibe with yeah. this one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. No, and there's, yeah, I think there's a lot there. And a lot of it's just going to be like, what were you looking for, right? I would have happily traded the scene of We've unearthed great great grandmother's skeleton, and now she's smoking in a grave while the skeleton is talking to us and not really actually sharing any new information. For can we just talk more about how this family relates instead of doing this? Uh, yet another, <laughs> I don't know what we're yet doing a, here. Right. <laughs> yet another family dynamic, which again, I think if. I think having that could have also been more interesting if instead of focusing on the full family, it'd been that generation of women. Um, yeah. 
I mean, you still could have had the full family. I think that's an important and crucial part of the story that Zoretta was trying to write. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that there... Also, okay, we only have, like... We don't have much time left. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe briefly, but I think it's interesting that, like, Arcadia's relationship with her half-siblings, it, like, shows up that the three of the siblings are absolutely terrible. They kind of appear through what appears to be magic, and they seem to be aware of her magic, it, it's very like, but we don't have time to unpack all of that. And then you move on and then you show up at the house of the one sibling that didn't show up. That was a baby that Arcadia had to take care of. I don't know about you, but did you feel nervous when they went to that house? I was like, oh, I don't trust this. I was very I nervous. I was yeah. very nervous. And again, like, and then it, it became clear to me over time that like, oh no, we're doing an interesting thing here as far as like, how does it feel to be... Uh, a child who knows that your parents were really awful, but they weren't awful to you. And what do you do with that? And I was like, that is such an interesting concept. I kind of wanted that about our main characters. Like I wanted those moments there with like, how do you relate to, and I agree that it, it, it felt initially, I was like, bad, bad, bad. Why are you going to that house? Right, that house right. has bad vibes. Yeah, <laughs> Why are you, you don't I don't anything. trust this. I don't trust this woman. We haven't met her as a woman. We only know her as a baby. A literal baby. A literal you're te- baby. You're telling me that somehow the baby that Arcadia was nice to was like, yes, and I just happened to be the different sibling? And I'm just like, hold on. Sure, Which, maybe, like, but I yeah. want more then. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But of course that as a reader, you're like bad vibes. And then it, even when she was like, I'm, and I'm super nice and I totally agree that my family was terrible. But I was like, oh, but there's so many like wealthy nice people who are like yes isn't it awful that they do that while benefiting from that thing and then you you push them just a little bit and you find out that they're actually yeah so I felt on edge that whole time but then it just never really it did yeah yeah there was a lot of I think I think yeah the more the more that we're talking about this I feel like a, a lot of my issues come down to being sort of weird tonal issues and issues of expectations yeah and a lot of that I feel like is very true about the magic and what was discussed and shown and what wasn't because mm-hmm. like you set up a multi-generational family with a magical matriarch I want to see I want to see the weird inexplicable little everyday magic right like the description of the house and how it existed was awesome yeah and then I felt like it totally disappeared, right? Where we see we see magic that animates a skeleton and lets it talk to us and smoke a cigarette. Uh, we see magic that um, suddenly like transports us back to Four Rivers so that we can have a charmed power of three. We all hold hands and the magic light <laughs> fights the magic light and that kind of stuff. Uh, the siblings appearing is weird. Like yeah there's like yeah and there's a but and like, the river there are God. these little pieces that are like this is really like you know grandma turning into a tree yeah is like a fascinating little bit the like flowers that are blooming on their skin uh the way even that these people are dying their magical deaths is really interesting but also i still don't understand sacrifice yeah but it all like none of that was so little of that was the like the little domestic magic things that I expected, the, or like the little inexplicable things, often they were inexplicable in big ways. Where I'm like, why did you kill Tatanelli's husband? Who? Why did any? I don't 
actually know really why Bolivar was killing them. I don't know. I don't know if he was sending the star to do it he was. or if he was doing it himself and looked like the star. Because then I'm also sitting here like, is the thing that we're supposed to believe is that like Bolivar sent the star to kill his own wife? Like, how did Pina die then? There's just like, there's a lot of questions I have about like what exactly happened there. And I wouldn't have so many questions if more of the magic had been that, yeah, they got flowers on their hands now, deal with it. Like in that sort of weird, you know, magical realism way. But a lot more of it is like, here is the ritual we do to make the skeleton talk. And now we're going to have the like almost superhero style magic final battle that I was just like tonally was very surprising to me and wasn't really giving me the kind of like magical tone that that I was expecting when I was like, cool, multi-generational secret magic novel yeah completely yeah and i think that i just want to be clear because i i think that sometimes when um we talk about when magic doesn't work like there's this well sometimes magic just isn't explained type of feedback but usually when the magic isn't explained it's because it's like a feature of a world in which that sort of thing happens all the time Mm -hmm. and or it is a it is a metaphor it has an emotional through line like the magic even magic that just happens like there's i think there's a clear reason and connection and i feel like sometimes the the way the metaphor was being used the way it was connected to the overall story how that related to everything again i i think it just needed more depth i mean you even have this whole you have the river god right you have the river yeah. god that becomes smaller because people don't believe in him as much, which is like another interesting thought that you see a lot in fantasy. Mm-hmm. But then it felt like it was just an interesting addition that isn't really explored. Like it's not explored and it's not important to the story as yeah. much that Guayaquil is, is Guayaquil is changing. Like yeah. it's it it kind of shows up with like Arcadia's stepfather developing it, but you're we're not really interested in, in the story on its impact of this part of Ecuador. It's not part of the through line of the story, the importance of the story. Yeah. It just felt like she was trying to do too much in this story. And it, it didn't, nothing got as much attention as it deserved. One of my biggest uh, animated shows, hot takes uh, that I think is relevant for this has to do with Avatar, the last airbender and legend of Korra, which is they're both, I think very good shows. I think Legend of Korra is trying to do a lot more than Avatar The Last Airbender. They get like more, they're like trying to get more into like politics and bringing worlds together and digging into the spiritual elements and all sorts of stuff. And consequently, in my opinion, they can't execute all of it as well as Avatar The Last Airbender is the original show is by comparison attempting to do less. Yeah. But as a result they end up managing to just like nail all of it for me and it's one of those things where as the 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 resulting feeling is that i have tremendous amounts of respect for legend of korra i will always prefer the original because that to me is is was a more satisfying experience even though i also enjoyed and have tremendous respect for this more ambitious sequel show that they made Reading this felt to me a little bit like when I was watching Legend of Korra and I was like, oh, this is cool. I, wow, God, can we go back over 
okay, no, but like, I see what you're doing and this is really cool and I have a lot of respect for it and I am still enjoying myself. But yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons that like attempting projects that where you have a lot to say can be challenging because like this this book does not suffer from lack of themes it doesn't suffer from lack of location lack of characters lack of there's a sort of there are very few parts where the decision was made to be narrow instead of broad it's broad in terms of time space kinds of magic tone genre all of these things yeah yeah which is a lot of plates to keep spinning at the same time yeah and it's as I think that is part of its success is that it's attempting so many different things and that the things that it does well are also by virtue of as a reader opening up like, oh, these things can be together. We can do a lot of these things and what kinds of connections will you as a reader draw? But it also means you're trying to keep a lot of plates spinning in the air and you're more likely to just not be able to do all the things you wanted to do with the story because you've only got so many words and it's hard to get that many things across, right? And, yeah. And have them stick with people. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also, um, first of all, that sums up our whole discussion really well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and second, I think it's also hmm, a lot of, when you're attempting to do a lot of things, I think it can be hard when each aspect of the book is very personally important to you to let yes. any of those things go. And yeah, I think yeah. this was a book for Zoraida Cordova where all of the things were very personally important to her, um, which is another, which I think all of those ingredients, like you said, they're amazing. Maybe they needed a bit more time, a little bit more depth. Maybe there needed to be more books or maybe needed to let some things go but even even so we we both read it it sounds like we were both none of us felt like we wanted to dnf it no no it was it was was a good read and yeah no i absolutely agree another thing this book didn't suffer a lack of was like clear love and investment and like care and talent for like drawing all of these different things like this this is Sometimes you read a book that, like, doesn't give you what you want and you're, like, annoyed. At no point did I feel annoyed. I was just occasionally, like, bummed because I was like, I wanted more of that other thing you told me was going to be here. And mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, everything that was on the page was clearly done with a lot of intention and care. Is this the first book where that with just the two of us where we didn't, like, one of us loved it a lot more than the other one? I was trying to remember. I think it might be. I certainly can't remember the last time that that's happened. I've been anxious before that that's happened when I like didn't like a book so much or when I really loved one. I'm like, boy, I really hope that Leah doesn't come on here with like some hot takes about how much she doesn't like Sarah Gailey because we're going to have a tough time or, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and, and as if, I mean, we clearly, I think we're very good at talking through when it's like, actually, we don't agree about these things. But this is the first time, at least that I can remember, that uh, that I feel like we had the greatest difference in our experiences. We've definitely yeah. had some different experiences than guests we've brought on in the past. But I feel yes. like you and I have been on largely the same page, even in yeah. those conversations. Yeah. Well, if you're a listener and you've 
you've been like at some point they're gonna disagree and that <laughs> and that uh tension has just been rising in you after two seasons here it is i feel like i'm to the anticlimactic <laughs> i was well, like yeah, no, still... i totally see your point but yeah right yeah this still wasn't i mean i think we're both fairly reasonable people that understand that hi art is subjective enjoyment of art is very subjective there are very few things that people have opinions on about art that I that I can't be like, yeah, I see it. I see it, right? Like, so, usually that's reserved for stuff like really obvious, like, bigotry and things where it's like, no, I don't respect an alternative opinion on this. Um, and people who think that Matthew McFadden was a good Mr. Darcy. I, I have tried so many times to understand. I, I know there's a lot of people who believe that and who feel that deeply in their souls. And I can't get there i've tried so hard just to accept that it's a possibility and i genuinely can't it's a fail i consider it a failing in myself that i can't understand this but for most other things i'm like sure i can see how you would have a different perspective on this. i mean this is actually like another area where we disagree but i'm just like i just don't care if people agree with me about mr darcy this is like <laughs> This will go separately, but yeah, I think that... Yeah, this I, can be a blooper reel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I also think that in some ways, I feel like some of it is linked to not even Mr... Not even Matthew McFadden's performance, <clears throat> but the way that Pride and Prejudice, the movie, is filmed and the way that they use their scenes versus... It's a beautiful movie. Oh, it's gorgeous, and I it's think It's a gorgeous that's, movie. I think that's part of it, and I think also, yeah. like, the way... I feel like the way that they use the emotional beats around the romance is stronger than the full miniseries. Totally. Um, I think that's really, I think that's part of what it is. But anyway, Pride and Prejudice 2005 will always have a special place in my heart. And I understand that not everyone will agree with me. And I love all of the Pride and Prejudices, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's all, it's all, again, it's not a, it's not a being an anger thing. It's just oh, like, oh, yeah. A, You're I like, just, I just like, truly don't get it. I can't I don't relate. see it. I don't <laughs> see it. I'm working. I'm trying so hard to see it, and I just can't oh, do that, it. It's, it's always that's the worst feeling because you're like everyone else is enjoying things. Is it I want to enjoy things. Right. Like, why yeah. can't I enjoy things? I feel like we need to unpack this elsewhere, not on this. This podcast. can be this can be a separate, <laughs> separate yeah, This uh, episode has also been what is not lacking in themes and topics in this episode. Um, absolutely, but, this is our homage to the book that we read. <laughs> um, just whatever comes to our mind and is important to us, like Mr. Darcy renditions. Um, mm-hmm. But thank you so much for wandering with us today. Um, we hope you've had a, a good week. I know that lately the news has been, it's been hard for a while. It's been tough existing in this world for a while, for a long time. But there are flare-ups of it being even mm-hmm. more intense. And it seems like it's kind of been relentless. So, you know, if you're listening to this, and the thing is, I'm sure that two weeks from now when it shares, or three weeks when we share it, or whenever, I'm sure that there will be more news but i hope that you're able to take care of yourself and that you have folks around you who are helping you out and that you find some time to be creative whether that be writing or something else and to kind of you know take care of yourself in that way we're thinking of yeah we're absolutely thinking of you yeah strong pivot there um (laughs) but if you've also read the book we always love to hear from you we love to chat so let us know